You have to find a way to be the light. To love every single part of you. Be the light. For all of those around you, be the light. Hey, hey, hey. Fatherhood is such an important topic, and I'm so blessed to be joined by three influential men who have been awesome father figures to me. Today, I am joined by Jeff Chess's Life Butts. Jeff is the co-founder of Chess's Life, a complete mentoring program promoting chess in an educational way by providing an intellectual, challenging, fun, and creative learning environment that teaches, provides, and will assist with the development of the following everyday life skills. Their ultimate goal is to strengthen what they call relational credibility with students by providing the key to unlock their mind's fullest potential to the highest level of enhanced decision-making and ultimately increasing their ability to focus. Focus is an acronym for Fixated Optimum Clear Understanding of Success. The unifying theme that they have created reverberates throughout their Chess's Life team down to the very minds and lives of the students who strive to impact daily. Jeff is also the dad of two amazing kids, Corey and Jocelyn, who both live in Los Angeles, and the husband of 27 years to Chris Butts. Another special guest that I have on is my father of 20 years, Bishop Stephen L. Lipford. Bishop Lipford is the pastor and founder of Anointed Family Outreach Church in Cleveland, Ohio. He is also the dad to two wonderful girls, Tamika and of course myself. My final guest is my godfather, LaVance Lightning. Minister LaVance Lightning is a Christian comedian, minister, and actor from Cleveland, Ohio. He is also the father of two small children, Kayla and Robert Lightning, as well as four adult children. He is also the happily married to my godmother of 15 years, Evangelist Tina Lightning. May we please welcome them. can see from given the background of everybody we all come from very diverse backgrounds we all have different kids we've been married from for different you know periods of time but the, the one thing that really unites us is you guys are all fathers and you guys have all all been a sense of a father figure to me outside of my dad who was my father and so I think that a big conversation today is men, men being in, you know, young girls' lives and the topic of fatherhood. And so as we prepare for Father's Day, I really wanted to come on, you know, and, you know, just talk for so many people who have missed out on having their dad in their life while also celebrating the dad that you guys have been to me and to so many others. Um, So the first question that is really pondering on my mind, and I think I want to throw this to you, Coach Jeff, first is, what does what does fatherhood mean to you? What has it come to mean over the years? And uh, what does it mean to you? Well, first of all, thank you for having me on, uh, Miss Ray of Light. Um, fatherhood for me over the years and what it means to me now, um, I think of fatherhood being uh, someone that's there, supportive, giving everything that I can, uh, bending over backwards. I love my children more than I love myself. Mm-hmm. Um, fatherhood also means being an example, not just talking about how we should do things, but showing them how to do those things as well. Uh, fatherhood also means to me, um, not only just my children, but being ex- an extension of myself 
to be there in the um, balance for other children in the community, someone such as yourself. When you and I talked yesterday, you know, you just completely just warmed my heart um, because you have no idea how much you affect and impact people, young people, especially when you come in contact with them. So as a father figure, and as a father of my own two children, I think of all of you as my own children. I love you just like you're my own child. So a father is someone that is going to provide. A father is someone that's going to share. A father is someone that's going to uh, uh, be supportive. A father is going to be someone that's tough. A father is going to be someone that's loving, that's mm -hmm. giving, that's understanding. And I could go on and on and on. Um, that is what I believe fatherhood is. Mm. So fatherhood for you is really defined by sacrifice. Am I oh, hearing that right? Oh my goodness. You heard that a billion percent right. We have sacrificed, when you speak of our two children with Jocelyn and Corey, um, the sacrifice that we have given for them, especially my wife, you're talking about fathers, but I've sacrificed as well. But to get her to where she needs to be to this day, you know, the high school she should have gone to is right down the street from us. And she was driven to uh, Cleveland School of the Arts for uh, six years, from seventh grade all the way through her high school years. And um, sacrifice for my son, for Corey. Um, I taught Corey how to code when he was uh, eight years old. Uh, coding, software development, programming. I'm a software engineer. Um, that's what I do by day. And by night, I put on my cape a real Iron Man mask, and I mentor children. Um, so teaching Corey how to do what I do, um, also like being a father figure, you know, my father is no longer here. So may God uh, eternally forever rest his soul. So um, I think of that. And I remember my father was hardcore, rough, raw, straight from the street. And he used to say, you know, you can't just be street. I mean, you can't just be book smart. You have to be street smart. Mm -hmm. well, I'm not from the street. You know, I love it when I stepped into MLK and I said, I'm the biggest geek in the room and you could hear a pen hit the floor. So for these kids looking just like me, looking back at me, they're looking at me like, man, that's different. I never heard that before. And um, at least that's the looks on their faces, you know, mm -hmm. and I go, you know, why don't we want to use our intellect? You know, so I think about my dad, I think about my father, and I'm not saying he should have called me, uh, uh, you know, some of the things he may have called me because I'm a little soft in his opinion and in my brother's and uncle's opinions and stuff like that. But having a son of my own, I understand that you want to see a reflection of your son in you. So to see my son just accept an offer out in California as a computer engineer, yeah, dad, I understand. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, lastly, I'll say, you know, a part of Chess's life and what I wrote, you know, I didn't know it was for Chess's life at the time, but I wrote something that was four lines for my father, you know, because I needed him to, you know, just to say goodbye. I needed to reflect on myself to him and what he and what he has given me. And um, I said, if I pay attention to life and I pay attention to time, will I figure out these thoughts perplexed in my mind mm -hmm. in life? Things aren't always what they seem for the true definition of success is the glimpse of reality inside of a dream. Mm. And that is what we are striving to teach our kids in chess's life. My, my students in Code Base Warriors, 
our our children. I can go on and on about our kids. You know, I can't teach my daughter how a how to be a woman and how a woman um, behaves or whatever. I can talk to her about those things. The most impact I believe I've had in my daughter's life is to show her how a father treats her mother. Mm-hmm. Wow. Good. Yeah, that's awesome. If I Thank if you. I was to pass that to you, Dad, what would you say fatherhood means to you? Fatherhood means, first of all, let me thank you for inviting me tonight. It's a pleasure to be on with uh, both of these wonderful uh, men. And I want to just say tonight that fatherhood to me means loving unconditionally. Mm. And when you love unconditionally, you meet your children uh, at whatever their needs are, even in the ups and downs of life, you love them, you nurture them, you protect them, you, uh, you're there for them, uh, no matter what the circumstance is. I can look to one of the greatest uh, mentors that I've ever had, and that is my dad, one that was a great man, a great leader, a great provider. He gave us the spiritual discipline that we need to now become the men uh, to teach our children uh, because of the example that he gave, he gave us. Mm-hmm. But for me, being a, a pastor, uh, the greatest example that I have is Jesus Christ being a father. Mm-hmm. When so many uh, people are left without a father, he is there to be a comforter. He is there to be a strength. He is there to guide you. He is there to lead you, to comfort you, to strengthen you, to bring you through in very difficult times. So this Father's Day is a very special one for me because, again, I look back on the great examples that I have been given by men that I have seen that not just men that had children, but men that actually took care of their children, men that were there to go to their games, men that were there to do the things, they interacted with their children. They really invested themselves in the lives of their children. And I'm proud today to have two beautiful daughters, one that's a lawyer and one that is a podcast genius. And I thank God for both of you all on this Father's Day. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree with the unconditional love part because, you know, I think it's a lot of things that I can say about our relationship, Dad, but I think the most thing that I hold dearest to my heart is you've always been a friend to me. I know that anytime I want to call for advice, anytime I'm like, oh, Dad, I'm going through anxiety, it's a new boy, like you never, you always give me the best advice, and I love that because it, it's like I can talk to you about anything. And I know so many women don't have that with their dad. So I, I really appreciate how much of a friend you are to me. So, yeah. And so finally, we go pass it to Uncle Advance. What does fatherhood mean to you? Because you represent, and, and I brought you on strategically, you represent both sides. You have children who were, you know, I guess born of you. And then you also had the role of stepping into a father to someone who wasn't your own, your own two children, but they became your kids. So, like, what what does father? Yeah, what does fatherhood mean to you? Well, first of all, let me uh, thank you, um, Raven. <laughs> I'm not going to call you our, our little name. You were uh, a young girl. Um, I used to have nicknames for everyone. Um, 
but you know, I love you um, dearly and I'm very proud of you and what you're doing with your life and kudos to the two young men that spoke before me. Um, great words, great insight. And I appreciate both of you. Uh, for me, fatherhood means everything. You know, it, I think it's ironic and fitting that this Father's Day happens um, along with Juneteenth. You know, we celebrate being liberated uh, from slavery, you know, because I've learned um, in my 35 years of being a father is that fatherhood is its own form of slavery <laughs> because you become <laughs> a slave to your children, um, a slave to your heart, you know, a slave to their needs, You're an indentured servant, um, for lack of a better term, indentured servant. Um, had my first child, Crystal, Amber Lining, followed closely by Ashley, uh, Terrell, LeVance Lining Jr., and now Kayla Lining and Robert Lining. Um, as you alluded to, the first four are by birth. The last two are began as my niece and nephew. Um, my younger brother, who followed my lead um, in going out and seeing uh, what the streets had to offer, which was nothing but misery and drug abuse, um, became a drug addict. Him and uh, the mother of his two kids, you know. And so, luckily, because I had the same background of being a drug addict, a delivered drug addict to this day for six years, um, I was able to step in and God gave me a Holy Ghost do-over with two more kids. So he gave me Kayla and Robert. Kayla was two and a half and Robert was three months uh, um, when they came into our lives back in 2013. And uh, having been raised by a stepfather, grew up in the Air Force, I lived in Germany, Montana, South Carolina, all over, which gave me a broader view of life and allowed me to have diversity and learn how to deal with different cultures um, on a granular level, you know? And so with all that insight today, I have more to offer my younger kids than I did my older kids. You know, you can't mix the street with corporate America mm -hmm. <laughs> and think you're going to be successful, mm -hmm. you know, um, but today, you know, you always try for your kids to be better than you and to be different than you. And I, and I think I told you via text today, Raven, is that the reason why um, I try to instill so to put so much into you is because I wasn't able to do it with my oldest two daughters when they were in their formative years. And I told you, God allowed me to practice with you. And then when that mission was complete, then he gave me Kayla. So Kayla became my daughter. And I was able to continue on. I got you your first iPhone. And I recently got Kayla her first iPhone <laughs> uh, about three months ago, you know. And so um, it, it's an ongoing saga. But I saw so much of you, uh, Ray, with your love for the arts. I, too, am a graduate of the first class of Cleveland School of the Arts. So um, class of 1984. Uh, we were the crash test dummies when they started the School of Performing Arts over uh, 2064 Stearns Road. Um, right between Case Western Reserve and John Hay. And uh, I've been in love with the arts my whole life. You know, I use my my uh, gift in comedy and acting to entertain kids, to draw them out of the rigors of the hood, you know, and show them that there are other opportunities. Mm -hmm. You know, LeVance Lonnie Jr. is now a civil engineer, works with a great company out, out of California, and he's an artist, never took an art class, you know, um, I'm like civil engineer for me, 
<laughs> you know, this is the guy who used to duck math class. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, and I, I went down to visit him in his first year uh, of college. He was at Georgia Southern. And uh, we were in a hotel, and he had a grid sheet doing homework on it, and it was full of numbers. I said, what is that? He's like, oh, this is one problem. I'm like, dude, are you sure you're my son? <laughs> I said, let's go get on more and find out uh, I have my other father. You know, um, but your kids are always supposed to supersede um, beyond what we're capable of giving them, you know, and that only happens through God and through the sacrifices that fathers make, you know. And so I say we're indentured servants because we live to see our children do better, you know. I I, I didn't want to take on the responsibility of Robert E. Keller just because of how our society, you know, we didn't have molesters in the 70s. You know, uh, probably did, but they weren't as prevalent as they are today, you know. But now I have to stand at the door like Malcolm X with the with the machine gun by any means necessary just to watch them ride bicycles. You know, I'm at the door like, hey, who is that? Yeah, who is that? That's right. They go, whatever yeah. it takes. That's right. I'm like, I'm at the door like, uh, you ain't getting mine, you know. And so it, it, it's a it's a it's a vision that I have to make kids feel comfortable, to make kids feel them embrace, make them feel a part of, and make them feel that they can succeed. I, I am an advocate for the underdog. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of kids are born into underdog situations, but you don't have to remain the underdog. You can win. You know? And so I go speak in prison. I, I'm doing a prison in August. I did one in April. And so I go tell inmates that you can go to prison, but guess what? You're a survivor. Mm-hmm. You're a survivor, you know, because you lived on the street for 10, 15, 20 years with a drug addiction and no job. And you're still alive. You are a survivor. You take those skills and transfer those skills to corporate America or start your own business. How much more can you succeed? Mm. How much better can you do? You live with nothing, you know? And so I'm an example. I went to prison in uh, 2001, 21 years ago. And guess what? God turned everything around. I started my own business. I used all of my survival skills that God gave me and that I learned through being a drug addict. Growing up in a broken home, watching people go through divorce, going through divorces of my own. And so that built up my intellectual property to be able to survive. So now I can tell other people, guess what? Encourage yourself. I started my own business with a felony. And because I interviewed so well, people didn't do background checks. You know why? Because I look them in the eye when I talk to them. I don't look down. I don't look dejected. I don't look like the underdog. You know, I look people in the eye, shake their hand. And today... I am a trainer and a hiring manager for a cost. And I have employees from Florida all the way to Arizona working remote from home. I don't have a college yes. degree. I'm going yes. back to college in, in fall in fall to case. But guess what? Because I know I still want to honor God by getting the degree to show him that I appreciate what you've done with me without one, you know? I've already been successful, but guess what? I'm still going up my game, so you can't use me not having a degree against me, you know? So there I go. So being a father to me is sacrifice, it's being an indentured servant, and it's giving your all so others can grow. And so I sow seeds and I reap a harvest through my children. Children are the ultimate investment that you make because they're going to pay dividends when you're gone. You know, so if you don't invest in your kids, your kids are your legacy. You know, and there's so many people, they have positions, they have titles, but they never pull up the next them. And so if you don't invest and pull up the next you, when you die, your legacy dies with you. 
And so always remember to sow into other people. So you'll see yourself recreated and bigger in the next generation, whether it's your birth child, whether it's your stepchild, whether it's your adopted child, whether it's some kid off the street. Invest in them and watch your investment pay dividends. Dad, if you could take it back, what's one piece of advice you wish someone would have given you before you became a dad? <laughs> That's a good question. What piece of advice would I want to give? Well, one of the things that uh, come to mind is let your children develop. Always be there to support them. Always take the time to uh, interact with them, take the time to see what's important in their lives. In other words, always talk to them, communicate. You must communicate with your children. And although there's a time to be uh, hard, if you will, there's a time to show discipline. There's also yeah. a time where you have to show, when you show discipline, you also must turn that into love. And that's one of the things that I've tried to do with my daughter. There are times that there are certain things that I may feel very strongly about and I may come across very strong because mm. I want to protect her. Yeah. But then I'll turn around and tell her, honey, I love you. And this is the reason why I said what I said to you. And it's because I love you. So I think it's important to communicate with your children and meet them right where they are. Don't try to push them or force them one way or the other, but just be there to nurture, to guide, and to, to lead them. Just be a leader, be a father, and be uh, somebody that they can be proud of. And that's what I've tried to be uh, on this Father's Day. So I think what you're saying is you found a balance between being like a, you know, authority figure and being a friend between just saying like everything I do, I do in love. Is that am I hearing you correct? Uh, you are definitely hearing me uh, correctly. But as an addendum to that, I just want to touch on something LeVan said, and it made me smile when he uh, talked about his two younger children. Notice the language that he used. He did not say stepchildren, but he embraced them as his own. I think that is so paramount today for a father to come across that way, to just love them, not put a label on them, because today in the society that we live in, when we label children and we stepchildren, what we do is we, in effect, we make them less than what they really are. But he took on the challenge even with his other four, to say, now I accept my new family. Mm -hmm. And I want to applaud you for that, sir. Mm -hmm. That really means a lot to me to hear that. And I wish more fathers today would say those kinds of things. And I, mm -hmm. think, I think what happens is that when you remind a child so many times that their worth and their value depreciates, and we wonder why they go out and drink and they smoke. It's because they have no, they have no guidance. They have no, uh, uh, they have nothing to fall back on. But when you have leaders like we are talking today, I think it's important to be able to lead your children in a way where fatherhood really becomes exactly what the word means. 
being a real father. Yeah. Yep. Let me say something real quick um, to that point, um, Bishop. Uh, when I when I took on the responsibility, I was raised by uh, a father that was not my birth father. Um, his last name was Johnson. My last name was Lining. And while he took on my mother with two kids, married her, flew us to Germany when I was two years old. You know, I went from Cleveland, Ohio, um, the projects, Donald Woodland, to Bitburg, Germany on the Air Force Base. You know, he didn't have to do that. You know, um, took on two kids and weren't his. Quickly added to the family. <laughs> but I always wonder why my last name was different. You know, and so my two kids that I have now were originally my brother's kids. but they So they're my niece and nephew by birth. Um, so they are blood related. But what I did was because their last name was Johnson, because my brother and I have different fathers, I gave him and his child's, their mother and birth mother, an opportunity to get right. I said, guess what? When I adopt them, I will not leave their name, Johnson. Their name is going to be my last name because when I go to support them at the school events, there will not be any disparity in their last name. Outstanding. And so I made sure that they know I'm their father and you are my children. New birth certificates till death do us part. Yeah. That's deep. Absolutely. Coach Jeff, what do you think a piece of advice you wish you would have got before you've had Corey? Because he's your first. Because I know how you said you grew up with a, a stern dad who didn't necessarily mm -hmm. understand you being, you know, I guess you could say softer, but really you were just yeah. more of an intellect. So yeah. how how what what advice do you wish that you would have got? Or what were some what were some of the things that your father taught you from you know, your childhood that you're bringing into it now, because I heard Tyler Perry say something that he learned how to be a father because he reversed what, what his dad did. So he learned how mm. to be a dad in reverse. So everything mm. that his dad did that was, you know, not good. And I know this is for a lot of us, everything that he took that was negative from his upbringing, he made sure to do the right things by his kid. Is this your story or is it something else? This is a, Absolutely my story, um, because it's a great segue into exactly what I was going to say right out of my mouth. And what I try to teach myself is to eat the meat and leave the bones. Yeah. Um, and what I mean by that, talking to my children, I speak to them in terms that they can understand. I need you to upgrade, you know. So if my father was uh, James Butts, you know, 1.0 and I become Jeff Butts 2.0, Corey Jocelyn, I need you to become... Corey Butts, Jocelyn Butts, 4.0. I need you to right. step your game up and be better than we are. If you take a pork chop or a steak and the bones, I don't know too many people that's come on those bones, but I would imagine you sit those bones to the side and you eat the meat. Mm -hmm. The bones is all of the negative things that are about myself, my father, and generations past and to come. You sit those to the side and you eat the meat of the substance that came from that individual. So I love what Tyler Perry said. Thank you for that, because that's exactly how I learned the game of chess. That's exactly how I learned to fit in where I get in. The softer side of me comes from the fact that, um, may God bless my mother's soul. She, she went on uh, 10 years prior to my father, right? And I lean into, you know, strong women being influences in my life. If it were not for the 52% that which is my mother that lives inside, 
and the 48 percent. I said his name is James Butts. You call him do hard. That's what they call him because he did hard, you know. And, um, <laughs> you know, I still got the beast that lives inside. I have just learned, just like we teach the choices on the board on in the game of chess. Chess is a game of choices. And you literally make good choices and bad choices. So when I think about your question and thinking about how, um, you know, what 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 kind of advice would I have taken? Um, my God, you know, the advice I would have taken um, is, you know, I, I need to be an example in a way that, you know, um, I remember when I was growing up, and I'm pretty sure that most people, especially us, most Black people, can just finish this statement right here. You can be anything you want. I'm this nine-year-old kid. Yeah, I can do whatever I want. Yeah, I believe in this. And it's a semicolon right there. And I want to break that semicolon completely off and put an exclamation because there's a qualifying statement that comes behind that. You can be anything you want. You can be a doctor or a, and pretty much all of us will fill that blank in with lawyer, right? And so um, you can be anything you want is the universe. And then without them even realizing it, they narrowed our choices down to two. And I'm not saying that in a disparaging way against my father, my mother, all of those who have gone on before me. They did what they felt that they could do to help us move forward, right? And so no one gave me that advice to tell your kids you can be anything you want and just break it right there. You know, and so I believe that that softer side, you know, <laughs> I thank God for my mother. You're right. My mother gives me that intellectual side. I remember walking out to the porch with three, four, three steps. Uh, mm -mm, mm -mm, that does not look safe to me. I don't like pain. <laughs> so my brother, on the other hand, my brother would just run out, open the door and jump, fall, bust his knee to the white meat, like Bernie Mac would say. And my father was like, his chest is pumped up. Like, yeah, that's my son. He's looking at me like, man, such a punk. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing, <laughs> right? Um, and I ain't saying he should have done that, but I understand. And I thank God for being able to have a discernment to see the difference between the two. That thing that you talked about, Raven, about bringing in that love, you know, um, that's what I would, Pops is a Marine. They say, don't say was, because once a Marine, always a Marine. Hoorah, Semper Fi. You know, I have so much pride and so much respect for the Corps and for anyone who served. LeVance, thank you for your service, sir. I do thank you for that, you know. I, um, but I did not serve myself. Now, my father always pushed. He worked in a steel mill. He worked, um, and he worked hard, and he worked tirelessly, and, um, he always pushed education, education, education. Now, this is a man, he didn't have education himself, but that's what he pushed on us. Well, I guess I leaned into the dream and I said, yep, I'm going to do that. And that's what I want to do. So I got my degree in computer information systems and um, started doing software engineering. So, you know, um, I look at that and I say, you know, talking to kids and like the advice that you know, somebody should have, I, I feel or wish that I could have gotten directly. So I'm thinking about and match that up with what Tyler Perry said, learning this in reverse. We call that reverse engineering. 
in software development, when you take something that's already there and you reverse engineer it and then build something on top of that base, that foundation. So to me, that that is so crystal clear for me because that's exactly what I did. Do you know that I got a chance? This makes me a little bit emotional. I got a chance in the winter of my father's life to be able to sit and talk with him and say, you know, dad, you know, there were things you taught me indirectly that you didn't even know you were teaching me yourself. And this would be some of those phones that's sitting on the side. And I remember how he used to and talk to my mother in ways that, uh, and that wasn't always because he loved my mother. And I saw that obviously, I mean, I got it from somewhere, you know, but uh, I'm this skinny little kid with my fist trying to ball them up in the back of my head, like, oh, big enough, boy, 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 would I not let you talk to my mama like that? And But what he was teaching me without him even knowing that is I will never in life talk to a woman like that. And, um, you know, I saw the tears come from his eyes. I walked in and this lady says, uh, man, your father is so proud of you. I looked behind me like she was talking to somebody else. Who are you talking to? He never told me wow. that directly. But he was telling other people, Raven, it's just like you told me what you said yesterday. I had no idea that I have that kind of impact on you. You know, Gandhi said, be a part of the change we wish to see in this world. That's what I'm trying to do. And so if I have that impact, I thank God for that. You know, um, oh man, um, I, I just thank you so much for bringing me in the presence of these two very wonderful uh, men here. And um, I am so grateful for being able to be a part of this. Mm. Wow. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Since we're on the topic, since we're on the topic, Uncle Vance, this question is for you. Since we're on the topic of, you know, mistakes that our fathers had, I know that a big thing that a lot of women talk about they have is mom guilt. And so mom guilt is like basically they feel bad anytime they do anything for themselves that's not for their kids. They take on like, oh, I'm not being a good enough mother. I'm not doing the right stuff. If you could give me a little insight, is that something you ever went through as a father where you felt like you failed, made a mistake, or just felt guilty about that? And how did you kind of recover from that? Of course. I told you I was a crack cocaine addict. <laughs> so I... Um, I guess I was a different type of crack cocaine addict because, um, as Coach alluded to, um, my my stepfather, um, not birth father, I'll say not birth father, um, was an alcoholic. He was a Vietnam veteran, and so they didn't have PTSD, PTSD back mm-hmm. then. Uh, they called mm-hmm. it shell shock. He was shell shock, you know. So he brought that home to me. So when he showed me indirectly with his bones. Mm-hmm. Which showed me not to drink liquor. Mm. So I never drank. I never was a drinker. But nobody told me that cocaine was worse than alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> so now I am the crash test dummy that right. you can use to show yeah. that you should use cocaine. But guess what? Today I am a drug and alcohol counselor. I counsel people. I help people become sober. I go to prisons and speak to other people. And I'm totally transparent with all of my children. I tell all of my children, look at your dad. They all know my story to the granular details. I don't sugarcoat anything, you know? And when I was using, I never used it at home. I took my presence away from my children and I did my damage 
in the street. And so what God gave me a chance to do with Kayla and Robert Lining was a do-over, to be present with my kids 24-7, no coffee breaks to go out in the street and see what's happening, mm. not run into the hood to check out the brothers. You know, um, I'm present. And so I get to instill all of my experiences, all of my misinformation I took and took it as real logic and ran out yeah. in the streets with it. You know, and so today I'm a present father. I am a transparent father. I am a openly communicative father. I love my kids. I hug them every day. I let them know I love them. I talk to my adult kids the same way, like they're still seven to eight years old. Oh, hey, I love you. I'm proud of you. Um, you know, how's it going with your job? And all of my kids are in leadership. They're all in, they're all leaders, you know? And so I guess I had something to do with that. Our God saw better, you know, to to promote my kids to an elevated status. And on the back of a 22-year drug addiction that I had, you know, but because I was still intelligent, you know, I was the guy that I was in the army, but guess what? I had a soft administrative job. <laughs> they called me a pencil pusher. I was a human resource generalist in the army. <laughs> so because I scored high enough on the test. So I was in the office. I went out in there with the M16 crawling in the woods. Okay, I was sitting in an office, but what it did was it made me immediately employable when I got out of the army, when I went to Atlanta, Georgia, you know? And so we're all the sums of our life's experiences, and hopefully God gives you an opportunity to plant seeds and pass those experiences on to the next generation, whether it's your kids, whether it's somebody else's kids, whether it's a program that you're involved with, everybody has something to give to somebody else that's younger than them. You know, um, I just had one child that's resistant, my oldest son. I always wonder, I tell him about my experience. He's like, well, you know, maybe sometimes, you know, people want to have their own experiences. I'm like, look, only a knucklehead wouldn't listen to somebody say, hey, look, don't go around that corner because they they robbing people. Oh, you want to go get robbed so you can have your own experiences. I'm like, I'm trying to keep you from doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, I've done that for you. I told my kids, I went to prison, so you don't have to go, mm-hmm. you know? And let me tell you how I got there so you know not have to follow my same steps, you know? And so that's what life is all about. Life is about passing on your experiences, the good, bad, and the ugly, so people have more information to make better choices with, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's what I try to tell people. Make better choices. And guess what? If what you're doing is not working, do something different. Yeah. If I oh. could just say something on on to uh, add on to that, so it's, um, you 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 said something about transparency, and um, Bishop Lifford said something about unconditional, and to me, you know, that could just sum up everything that we're talking about right here, because to be 100% um, transparent with your children and to be 100% unconditional with your children, I I think, um, and then Raven, you said something about sacrifice, those things, we stand on those things and we ride on those things. And, you know, um, we do everything we can to promote their forward progress that's it that's, and guess that's what it. i mean you can it. be transparent willingly but your kids see it anyway you know they don't see your it kids anyway. see yep. it your kids see what you don't think they see you know yep. kids see everything you Agreed. can sit up and tell them about what daddy's bad habits ain't they be like yeah daddy you do smoke cigarettes daddy i do see you with a 40 ounce in the car <laughs> and, you know so your kids know everything you do so you might as well tell them right. and guide them in the right direction you know so you want to see yourself <laughs> 
I was a little bit naive when I was younger. And uh, that's yeah. funny you should say that. So I'd be like, man, that is so fun. You know, we, we can jump on him and roll on him. He always, yeah. been, you know, except when he ain't. And, you know, and then you get older and you <laughs> yeah. understand, you underdig what just happened. Oh, Pops was over there yeah. high. Yeah. That's what it was. He was yeah. high and drunk. And that's why he was so fun. That's what was going on. And yeah. it's like those things that I indirectly, um, you know, indirectly just learn, you know, I'm just going to upgrade myself and I'm going to do whatever I can, however I can. I love how you said that with the segue to my Iron Man shirt, uh, whatever it takes. I didn't say this before, but, you know, the kids call me the real Iron Man because um, before I got my degree, I worked at, at Copper Weld as a steel mill here in Warren and I slipped and fell. The burn is a third degree burn. I slipped and fell, dropped 50 feet. Jesus, that's all I can say. Day before Thanksgiving, Ooh. 1997, it gets worse. Not only did I fall 50 feet, but when I fell, I tried to catch myself and I caught a handful of hot liquid iron hot. Oh. For our listeners out there, that is my left hand. That's my left, my fingers, my watch, my watch melted off of my arm, my wedding band melted off of my fingers. Now that's cool how Iron Man puts his costume on. That is yeah. a green screen. That is movie yeah. magic. This is yeah. real life. Yeah. God has touched me by I've been touched by an angel. You know, I touched liquid iron real time and yeah. walked away from it. There's a divine yeah. purpose on my life. And let me tell you, this conversation is not by chance. It was supposed to happen today. Mm. The real Iron Man. That's what you have in front of you. I keep telling my wife she gets me more and more Iron Man shirts to wear. And, and you know, when I walk in, <laughs> when I walk into a school and one of those kids run up and mob me and throw their arms around my waist, when I walk wow. into the uh, um the school of the arts and those kids run up to me and mob me, you know, and throw their arms around me. You know, um, I, I just felt the presence of love. I felt that from them. And I just wanted to reciprocate that and give that. So I tell these moms walking through, you know, when we're sitting out teaching these lessons, because we taught in the food court at uh, the Eastwood Mall. So people walking by could just see us, you know, and then we teach at several schools in Warren, Youngstown, Cleveland, you know, and, um, while they're walking by and I tell them this story and I say, so I'm walking this earth on borrowed time. Mm -hmm. I'm giving my time to your children because I've given everything, everything mm -hmm. that I can to the two children that I have loved and nourished and, and cherished and pushed and was tough on, but loved them. You know, I've given everything to them. Now it's time for me. What do I do with all of this? Vance, what do I do with this? LeVance, what do I do with this? Do it. And mm -hmm. I and God answered that question for me. You know, you continue, you move mm -hmm. forward. And then yeah. so yeah. the timing of Raven calling and talking to me yesterday, I, I think we were on the phone for about a good 10, maybe 15 minutes. And, and I'm just talking and going on like this. And I said, my God, we're doing a podcast right now. I said, I better save this for tomorrow. Yeah. So are you it was just, <laughs> are you recording this, Raven? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> You know, it, it felt so good to me because you, you mentioned it a couple times when you talked about planting seeds. You talked about we consider ourselves virtual farmers. Once upon a time, we used to, you know, try to plant these seeds and it would go like this. And we sit there and try to stare like, oh, okay, let me check uh -huh. that kid again. Uh -huh. Okay, let me check that kid again. And then uh -huh. we learned over time and over the years that, you know, what does a farmer do? They rake the land, they, they till the land, they hold the land, they put the seeds down, they put the dirt over top, they put some uh, food on top of it, water it. What do the farmers at that point do? They walk off. 
And Wait. either those seeds, either those seeds take root in that fertile ground or they don't. They don't sit there and stare at it and wait for it. So why are mm-hmm. we, that's what I think it's human nature. We want to see the fruits of our labor, but Raven, mm-hmm. you showed it to me. And, and, and it's like, it's an amazing feeling to know that you can impact somebody's life because I, every person I talk to have always said, "My, I feel, I can feel your passion. And it's like, it's just something that lives inside. And it's mm. a combination of my mother and my father. And so, you know, it was something else I wanted to throw in there about the toxic masculinity. That's something I wish somebody would have taught me. But somehow, because of that 52% of mama that lives inside, you know, that softer side, thank God for that softer side, because that makes me look at yeah. the edge and go, yup, yup. This it makes keep you no, out of trouble. This it keeps no you out of trouble. To me. <laughs> this makes no sense to yeah. me. I don't think I yeah. should jump off of here. Let me go down yeah. to the first, let me go down to the, the, the next step. Nope, still too high. Yeah. I'm just saying this, yeah. right? Let me go down to this step. Okay, that's good. I jump off, I'm all proud, and my father over there like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, my brother, he bleeding and he going on somewhere. And um, but I learned how to play the game of chess from the both of them. So mm-hmm. but that intellectual, really critical thinking, thinking side that came from mama. And, and I wasn't afraid to be myself. Call me what you mm-hmm. want. You're not going to call That's me. Right. You ain't going to call That's me right. uh, <laughs> high. You ain't going to call me, you know, anything. I, I try to tell these young men um, that I mentor um, is like, you know, if you jump into a, if you're in a car and you allow anger to jump in your passenger seat and push you to the, uh, I mean, in your driver's seat, and push you to the passenger seat, to the back or even in the trunk, where the heck you think anger, ego, fear, where are those things going to drive you? In the wrong direction. Every single time we have to teach our young men better mm-hmm. than the way we were raised. That toxic masculinity it, yeah. it's, it's gonna it's gonna get us hurt you know yeah. these young men you're and, right and, and I, I i know what i'm saying so raven that definitely would add to the response of that question which i what i wish someone could have taught me but indirectly my mama taught me that and i didn't know it until several years later dear mama tupac i love that song let me go let's go <laughs> how much more time we got yes. <laughs> that's what i was listening to when i got old here mama Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's so inspiring to young men who didn't have good fathers growing up because you guys show that even though I didn't have the best role model, like I can still be a father. And I know like a mm-hmm. lot of guys are dealing with fathers who have mental health issues, drug abuse, yeah. which is a mental health yeah. issue. It is. All it type is. of stuff. But it's like we still come through it strong. Uh, so I think yeah. my final my final question to you, Uncle Advance first and then you, Coach Jeff, you guys have been a father to so many. What has been your number one proudest moment that you're like, I'm a father. Like, this is what I'm here for. This is what I live for. Like, this is my proudest moment. Just think of one. And then tell me um, when your kids succeed. I I would say most recently uh, would be LeVance Lane Jr., um, who, like I said, is a civil engineer, um, was smart enough to do anything he wanted to do, um, has the engineer personality. Um, he's an introvert, but an extrovert, uh, extrovert like me as well. Mm-hmm. At the same time, extrovert. Wow. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I love it. created a word, put it in the dictionary, okay. put it in the urban That's dictionary. Okay. Right. <laughs> so, uh, um, I would say he just sent me his uh, offer letter 
from an engineering company out of California, based in California. He's in Georgia. And the reason he didn't, he didn't want to be a mechanical engineer because engineering is such a uh, racist uh, profession, you know, for African-Americans to get, to get into, you know? And so he kind of took a step back, um, like in his second or third year and said, I want to do civil engineering. And I'm like, well, you're still an engineer, <laughs> you know? I said, just, you know, put the pressure on them. I said, you'd be so good at what you do that they have to hire. And so what he did was, you know, he went on and pursued his degree, um, graduated from uh, the same school that you went to um, in, in Georgia, Raven, um, with his civil engineering degree and was jumping from company to company. He's an artist, so he's selling art all over the world, shipping pieces to Australia, all this stuff. And so I'm proud of him that, but, but when he shot me his uh, offer letter from this company, paying him great money, they wanted to travel, they're getting passports to travel around all over the country, outside of the country, to look at buildings and help do blueprints and improvements and, you know, sketch out these uh, these uh, blueprints for buildings. I'm like, wow, you know, you would think based on my upbringing that I had no chance of having a child that would be a civil engineer, mm-hmm. you know, not a chance, even though I was an avid reader because of Ritland they gave me when I was uh, in fifth grade, made me read all of the versions of Encyclopedia Britannica, all volumes I read because written it made me want to read. And so I had all this intellectual property in my head, but written also made me shut my mouth. Why didn't want to talk in class? So the teacher, um, the same teacher that asked him to put me on Ritalin had him take me off of. And so I became this, you know, verbal diarrhea of all this information. I could get A on the test. I would talk in class. Monday through Thursday, get an the test Friday. Nobody could figure out how I did it. Well, I was advanced. I was like three grades ahead of everybody because I read the encyclopedia. But to see LeVance Lining Jr. with my same name send me an offer letter with almost six-figure income starting out um, as a civil engineer was one of my proud dad moments because my name is now in the world of engineering flying around the country and outside of the country um, and I had nothing to do with it, <laughs> but just being me, you know, and sharing my, uh, my horror stories and, and my, and my victories with him and just having, you know, dad, father talks about interviewing and how to adapt to office environments and bringing the best you to the table. And that's what he did. So that's why they hired him. Wow. What about you coach? Oh my God. Oh my God. So uh, it's it's almost the same thing, but I'm going to cheat a little bit on my answer for your question because you said one and you know that I have two. And so if I say my children, that is one answer. Okay. So (laughs) on that a little bit. So yeah, that's absolutely it. And I'm going to start with Jocelyn because Jocelyn graduated third in her class at um, CSA. And uh, then she went on to Yes, yes, thank you for that. She went on to um, AMDA, American Musical and Dramatic Academy. And I think back wow. about, I think back to like the older generation and they would have said, okay, so now what's your real job going to be? And this is one of mm-hmm. that word sacrifice comes back in. We sacrifice and we believe in her. And she dances like it, it's it's her, her artistry. I can it's bigger than it, more than just dance, you know? And mm-hmm. so she, I remember um, a few years back when she um, had us sitting like this, looking at YouTube. 
This is Easter Sunday, LeVance. This is Easter Sunday. Mm-hmm. Because why? Uh-huh. Because we didn't go to Easter Sunday service. We were sitting there waiting for Coachella to come on because she performed with Kanye uh-huh. West. <laughs> you know? Oh, wow. And so wow. And, and she's performed with several different artists. I don't really like name dropping or whatever, but she, she does what she does. And then, you know, to that moment, Raven, you know, I'm a dad, I'm a father, I'm a part of this, you know, for her to mm-hmm. have her dream realized and to get you know, go for an audition. She come back, she's crying and all this stuff. And I just looked at her and I said, babe, you done crying now? Quit all that crying, you know, because mm-hmm. when she got into Disney, then for whatever reason, they ended up giving her her status before she um, could show could dance for them. And their status was either determined as a um, extra or uh, full-time or, or part-time. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. And so she was, she was, she was one of the, um, you know, she wasn't full-time, she wasn't part-time. And I said, you done, you done crying? You got to understand the way I see things. So I will never tell them to, um, that the glass, the glass half full or half empty. Just look at the liquid in the glass. That's an original by yours, truly. It's like, I need you to see the liquid in the glass. Seriously. I don't care how, how much liquid, because if you can understand that substance, guess what? Do you know that thing can be refilled, replenished? Quit worrying about trying to figure out how, when, where, and why. I just need you to see the what. I need you to go from A to D without the B and the C. B and the C is not irrelevant. You just said it's a soccer right now. I solve problems. They pay me a lot of money to do that, okay? And I understand this, so I like I break it down. Literally, you can't go around the corner right here and walk up 12 stairs with one step. You have to take it one step at a time. It's just like playing chess. They say chess is 99% tactical. Well, that's what those stairs are. Your overall objective is get to the top. That's your strategy. Now, how do you break that down? That how question, that's the B and the C. How, why, when, those are logistical things that we say. So for her to, I said, baby, they ain't seen you dance yet. Mm-hmm. You got to understand where I'm coming from and see the liquid yeah. in the glass. And then she called us back and here she, they, they, as soon as they seen her dance, I think it was two days later, they had her full time in Perm. And so wow. uh, just mm-hmm. for times, for time's sake with Corey, the, um, it's the same thing. He, he'd been talking about going to, uh, you know, California and he was in, in the master's program and um, he didn't want to go into industry yet. He was thinking about going into, you know, education. He wanted to be uh, get his doctorate. He wanted to teach. And he actually ended up, you know, uh, uh, applying for a patent with the Air Force and his professor and the software that Corey wrote for this, you know, because he did all of the software engineering on that. It's like, it's amazing. I don't have a patent that I have applied for for some software that's going to be life-changing to what we do. And so Corey decided he wanted to go back into industry and he wanted to change up things a little bit. And I have been talking to Corey. You, you mentioned something, LeVance, about you know interviewing techniques. And I talked about one of my students that I uh, taught, uh, the real Michael Jordan, called me um, when he has his internship at Apple. He said, coach, remember when you told me about hijacking the interview? And I said, let's go hijacking the interview. You remember that? You listen? Because what I did is I came into the spot and they, they said, um, you know, this is Erie PA. You know, uh, how, how can we be sure that you're going to be here every single day? And I live in Warren, Ohio. That's an hour and a half. I said, this is one of the worst winter storms we've ever had. And yet here I am and on time. And so in that mm-hmm. moment, I said, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. And that 30 second elevator speech I gave, I turned it into, I cheated on that too. I gave it, I turned it into a two minute elevator speech. 
and I basically hijacked the interview and I talked about myself from point A all the way to point D. By the time I was done, they asked the guy that I was going to report to um, if he had any questions. And I hear I had answered all of his questions. So Michael Jordan, my son, who did Corey call when he needed advice? It was dad. It was me, his father. You know, and that's a proud moment right there, right, Raven? That's, I think about, you know, Jocelyn getting that, her um, audition, Corey calling us and telling us, like, yeah, I'm moving to California in two weeks. And then he talked about he had two offers on the table and he wanted to know from me, who does, you know, how does he move forward with this? And his offer was over, uh, um, you know, uh, six-figure salary income. And and it's like... They say, oh, it's too expensive to move to California, but yet he can move to California. And he, let me tell you, it's going to be okay. He's going to be completely fine. And I'm just so thankful. And in that moment, just to say, dear God, yes, these two, they are the blueprint. So my wife and I can sit and write a blueprint in a book for those that have younger children come behind us. So people who think that you brag, they always bragging about their kids. You're supposed to brag about your kids. I ain't bragging about right. me. Right. I ain't saying right. nothing about me. I'm talking about them. So I'm bragging on them, but what I'm, what it, they, they got the wrong terminology. It's like, what I'm doing is showing you the blueprint. When mm, I talk to wow. them, it's like, what is your measurement of success? Because Jocelyn is forever, you know, this person, that person, looking at it and comparing yourself to someone else. I taught Never. a I taught a coding boot camp, a software developer boot camp. And the one uh, uh, one lady, Sherry, she said, Mr. Butts, you know, Eric is doing this and Eric is doing that. I said, Sherry, hold tight for a minute. I said, Eric, how long have you been developing? He said, I've been developing for a year and a half. I said, Sherry, how long have you been developing? She had never developed at all. So, you know, I think it was, uh, I don't know, I think it was Einstein that said, if you, uh, te- if you, uh, if, uh, if you teach a fish to climb a tree, it'll grow mm-hmm. up thinking that it's, it's that dumb. it's, that it's dumb, right? That it's not mm-hmm. intelligent. You, so what I told them real time, I thank God and mama, because these things just come to me real time in the moment. I said, your measurement of success can never be, it must never be someone else. It has to be your previous self. Right. Who is your previous self? I said, Sherry, turn around. Yeah. That's who you were two, two weeks ago. Look back again. That's who you were six weeks ago, a month ago, six months ago, a year ago. Your previous self. No one else is that person that you see in the mirror, that reflection of who you are. So right. you always bettering yourself and not comparing yourself to someone else. I have never in my life had an issue with peer pressure. People talk and say stuff about me and I'm, I just use that as fuel and fire and I didn't compare myself to someone else. And one of my buddies said, man, Jeff, you know, don't you wish? And I said, no, I don't wish because when I wish, you know, I wish I had what so-and-so had. Things mean absolutely nothing to me, absolutely nothing to me. And I, ha- I don't have this thing called envy. I, I, if you like it, I love it. I want you to succeed just like I want myself. You said something mm-hmm. earlier, Vance, where um, uh, being a part of you know the future generation. So if I'm climbing a ladder, this is like a metaphor for the corporate ladder. We climbing the corporate ladder, and I get to a certain point, and it's like, man, every rung's broken on this ladder. What do I do? And I'm steady looking down, and I see all these younger generation coming up behind me. That's not a question of what I do. I already know what I have to do. I put my hands up like yeah. this. Look, look, fans, Raven, watch this. I'll drop my head and I become a part of the ladder. Climb on my shoulder mm-hmm. and keep going That's to the right. top. 
That's what I, that's, that's right. the proud moment right there, Raven, right there to see that in my children. And then to see you sitting here and from what you said, and for me to have that kind of impact on you, you better put me down that's right good. now, but Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron. If I'm the real Iron Man, I have to sharpen my brothers and sisters. Right. I'm right. the real Iron right. Man. I tell people that all the time, Jeff, um, is that, you know, in, in meetings, I have a lot of younger agents, you know, that are responsible for training. And I tell them, I'm like, look, I'm looking for the next me. You know, I'm mm. here not to show you what I know. It's to help you become me and become better than me. You know, right. I am right. not your adversary. I'm an advocate. That's exactly right. That's exactly that, that's right. What I, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not here to compete with you. You know, so I, if, I had my first call center job in 1990. Some of you guys weren't even born yet. You know, right, and so right. I'm not competing with you. What I'm trying to do is find the next person I could pour everything that I know into and help build you into me. So when you become me, you can pull somebody else up. That's exactly that's, right. There's That's a, the circle of life. <laughs> there's there's a there's a there's a lesson that I teach on the board, and it came from a game that I was playing years ago. And I'm I'm deep into this game, and I got up and I walked away. And when I came back, I said I didn't say it, but I'm thinking it. Oh my goodness, I'm about to lose my queen. But how come I didn't see that from right here? So mm-hmm. I, it made me think about the board in a different way. There's I'm playing from white. My opponent is playing from black. There's two angles on the side. How many more angles are there in this game of chess? Two on this corner, mm-hmm. two on that quarter. That's eight mm-hmm. from the top of the board and from the bottom of the board. That's 10 mm-hmm. different angles. Now, my father said, you cannot just be book smart alone. You have to be street smart as well. Mm-hmm. I think me and my father mm-hmm. said the same thing because I'm saying mm-hmm. you need to be able to see every last one of those angles right from here imagine if i hadn't got up i wouldn't have never known my queen was about to get taken and i would have made the wrong move the wrong choice the wrong decision and my queen would have Mm -hmm. gotten taken and more than likely i would have succumbed to my opponent and and what is your opponent it's life it's this bigotry it's this hatred it's all of this stuff that's Mm -hmm. on our back man let me tell you something the man i ain't never said nothing about no man i go into these interviews i go into these companies all the time who is this mythical man y'all talking about <laughs> can't none of them can't none of them hold me down i'm dead serious mm-hmm. it's like because they don't look like me and there's no reflection of me um when i walk in there yea though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i shall fear no evil and that's and i keep walking and 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 i bring me mama to the table i bring pot so cuz don't get it twisted just cuz i smile you know, daddy's coming to the table too. <laughs> you still got to have that piece inside of you. And that's the thing that they didn't understand. So when my uncle Ferg go, Jeff, I used to say cozy. That's, that's his older sister. I say, cozy, why he cry so much? I go, boo. I said, uncle Ferg, that is not my recollection of what happened. And he said, cozy say, June, quit, quit messing with my baby like that. And then as soon as she walked away, I go, boo. And you go, I said, look at me. Now, Uncle Ferg stands like right here to me. I said, Uncle Ferg, look at me now. I'll knock you out. <laughs> and I say, no, I'm not playing, but seriously. See, see, and that's how I do kids, you know, but it's jokingly and lovingly with him mm-hmm. because he was that, he was one of those alcoholics and drug addicts in our family. And everybody mm-hmm. thought that he was the problem child all the years. So to have this loving relationship to go right. And we used to go, me and Uncle Ferg had, uh, season tickets to the Cavs, and I used to kick it with my uncle at the Cavs, right? So yeah, yeah. But um, wow. it's like I need y'all to understand. 
like, because when um, somebody a few years ago wrote this art or, or had me do this uh, article, it wasn't a podcast, but I had to type my answers to the questions. And I didn't know he was going to go back and forth and interact. And these aren't my words. This man says, you know, you have to engage the orthodox and prevail with the unorthodox. He was talking about yours, Julie. Like, what the heck? Because my mentors yeah. that taught me the game, like, He's so unorthodox. And they said it real nasty. Like, and it's not like I'm not listening to you. I store that. It's in the queue, but I have to I have to try my way as well. But my yeah. my unorthodox ways, man. And you know, and he got said, me at the table. Got me at the table. So he said, <laughs> he said, he said, many companies can learn from the wisdom of Coach Jeff. Now, this man, like to to to, to say and put me even in the same even the same breath as Sun Tzu, the art of war, you know, to can compare my thinking to someone who is one of the greatest, um, one of the greatest minds in, you know, general thinking minds in all time. Mm-hmm. I, I just, you know, I, I'm just forever thankful. And I just continue to try to do that. And like I said, Proverbs 27, 17, uh, iron sharpens iron. So I'm going to continue to sharpen my brothers and my sisters around me. Thanks. Please, please keep doing it, Jeff. Because chess is powerful, man. I, uh, um, my uh, transplant service Dr. Charles Martin, who did my kidney transplant on April fifth, Easter Sunday, twenty fifteen. Okay. His son Trey Martin got a chess scholarship from Shaker High Tide oh to goodness. Texas. To uh, was it Texas A and M? Oh my um, God! Full ride playing chess. So please keep. Showing our young brothers and sisters about the game of chess. Yes, yes you sir. know, um, absolutely. It, it is a. It is a. It. I thought it was. You know. I thought it was for other people, and uh, I actually exactly. know how to play chess in exactly. jail. Exactly. Yep. In jail. Yep. A guy that was a yep. sixth grade dropout taught me how to play chess, and all I had to pay was two potato chips, two bags of potato chips, and he taught me chess. I fell in love with it. I was up playing everybody. And eventually, <laughs> before I got out of jail, I was only in jail for a week, but I was able to beat him in a week because he did the same stuff every over, time. And, and I was an orthodox again. because I, I, I'm i trying different openings. You know, mm-hmm. I'm doing different openings. So I eventually beat him because I knew he was going to move his pawns and get those doggone um, rooks sliding them down. I'm like, nope. I'm like, not today, buddy. <laughs> I got today. I took them, you know, and so, yeah, so uh, I encourage you to keep doing that, man, because we need yeah. it because so many people don't know that chess is not simple, but it's easy and it's thought provoking and it teaches you to think two steps ahead and pay attention the whole time. Yeah. You know, you get off, you go off on the side, thought, or start texting while you're playing chess and guess what? Your queen is gone. Now you ain't got no queen. Now you got to try to get a pawn down there other end, you know, to try to make something happen. So yeah, I appreciate you, brother. And this is this is for your this is for your dad, real quick. It's real quick, Raven. This is for your dad because he dropped off me. He could stay on. The King and the Queen were married by Bishop T D Jakes and Bishop Lifford. Rode off on a horse to a castle and had many children. The king and the queen were married by a bishop, rode off on a horse to a castle and had many children. That's how we teach the game. Right out wow. the gate. Let's go. Okay. Wow, guys, that was such an amazing conversation. It was so 
full of wisdom. It was so full of revelation. And it was so good to hear from dads themselves about different mistakes they've made, how they've overcome them, what they're looking forward to, what makes them proud as fathers. Guys, I'm just so happy that I got to host this podcast. If you guys want to hear something like this again, please join us next Sunday for another episode of Soul Care Sunday, and we'll be keeping this conversation going. Thank you guys so much. Bye-bye.